Oh, Antonio Banderas. No Jim? way. Oh, He's no, not no. in there. That was Desperado. That's Desperado. That's the Hollywood remake of. Um, oh, did you watch Mario the? Oh, you watched the original. You yeah. <laughs> gave me the original. Oh, dude. No, I meant this. El Mariachi, oh. mate. You watched the. You watched the wrong one, bro. Oh, you bastard! <laughs> you made me watch that. I, did I? Oh, I sent you the wrong link. Sorry, mate. Desperado. Fellas, how are you? Excellent. Good. Yeah, you are. You're the last one, the last one of us to get the Rona. Yep. Happy Rona, yeah. happy Rona days, guys. I've got it. Uh, Here we are. I'm in the eye of the tiger. Yeah. <laughs> Mate, but I'm fine. Um, Looking forward for to you. tonight. Just for those listeners out there, you might have seen those that are observant on our Facebook page. Martin and I did the did the road trip up to see Ian on, on the weekend, and we we did get a bit of time with you, Ian, but wasn't long enough. And uh, Rona got to you before we could have a second jam session, unfortunately. But you know that sometimes happens. But uh, bloody good to hang out with you, mate, on the Friday. Yeah, yeah. great to finally meet you as a real person. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was it was really nice to meet you, Martin, and it was good to see you again, Dave. It's been a long time. Shame Glenn couldn't make it, but there will be others. There, there will, will be, be other more. trips yeah. for sure. There Looking will be forward another. to tonight, boys. Yeah. So tonight's a little bit different. Um, so I'm called this What If Blank was released today? The episode where we're going to look at, we're going to look at an album and we're going to look at a movie from uh, yesteryear. And we're going to do a bit of a thought experiment as to how we think they'd do or they'd fear if they were released today. And what really inspired this episode was the resurgence of Kate Bush, Ian, one of your all-time favorites. In fact, um, I hope you've been using your time in bed wisely the last few days, catching up on some Kate Bush and Tori Amos. I'd say there's only one thing worse than coronavirus. That's probably listening to Kate Bush when you've got coronavirus. (laughs) (laughs) Well, for me anyway. Oh, this is going to go well. Um, Uh, Carry carry on. I'm looking forward to this. Well, well, I think you got your own back, given what you you got me to listen to. But anyway, we'll get there. Uh, Welcome, guys. I haven't done the welcoming for our audience. We've got Glenn, Martin... Ian, Rona, and myself <laughs> all, on, all on tonight. Um, special guest, Rona. Uh, hopefully, it's the last time she makes an appearance. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Am, yeah, amen to that. So, um, I think we might kick off um, with uh, a bit of scene setting. 1990, 1980, what? They were talking 30, 40 years ago, fellas. What's changed? Cool. And let's, let's start with movies. What's changed in general? Glenn, what do you think? Uh, speed. Um, speed is in. Oh, right. <laughs> speed is in. Um, Keanu Reeves. <laughs> I, I, I think they've just got faster. The bomb and faster. of the bus. <laughs> <laughs> they've got faster and faster and faster. Um, and well, inversely, longer and longer and longer. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> 
So ah. you're, watching, you're watching so you're watching sort of three movies in one in one session now yeah i remember yeah. um where it really first caught me out was um the first lego movie and it moves at such a pace there's barely any time to catch breath mm. and, and that's like so many um there's no way you could put out um a film like say lawrence arabia which is glacially slow in its comparison um that would all be all over in um a, an hour and a half probably nowadays um so yeah think... for, for me it's speed i think the quality of the productions have got better mm. um obviously visual effects are amazing these days um but sometimes i think there's an over-reliance on that and there's too much cg so do you think speed are you talking about the plot pa- or are you pacing, talking about the pacing, editing pacing of the film it barely gives because, you a breath between yeah, scenes yeah. sometimes right okay so the plot but what about the editing so quick cuts that or it's technology that's allowed people to try new things and do different things and martin was talking about it with avatar i mean in terms of the tech what it allowed you to do um and we all remember i think there's that great saying that star wars was a was made in the editing room um before that it was a pile of junk and then mm. edited it to be that great film that it is mm. uh, there's always been like experiments with that if you think in terms of yeah. editing a film so if you think back to things like hitchcock you know hitchcock did the film rope which i think is like 56 or 1957 and the first 15 minutes of that movie is one take it doesn't cut at all for that first 15 mm. minutes of the movie. And people have imitated that since, you know, I mean, mm. one I remember is like Rob, Robert Zemeckis did Contact, you know, with the Jodie Foster yes. Scythe, yes. I think. Yes. That yes. opening yep. scene in that movie is one continuous take. You know, it actually takes you through a window, into a house, through a building, and then eventually kind of ends up in the cosmos, I hope, memory. But, <laughs> but it, yeah, yeah, it's one long take. So, you know, there's there's a place for it within within a film, I think, in terms of the narrative. But but you're right, yeah, in terms of overall pacing of films now, they're, they're just lightning fast, especially animation, especially kids' films. If you think of things like Minions and Ice Age and all of those, you know, you compare that to something like when we were kids, you know, things like... Um, or even the Disney ones at the time, you know. Think, yep. you know I remember it's going so to see true. like the Fox and the Hound and stuff like that, and it's mm. like kids would be out of there in like two minutes flat if that movie came on. Now there's, there's just so hard to keep, keep keep attention spans. I think, you know, and and, and what's caused that? Well, it's the dawn of the internet, right? It's it's everything is bite size and and instant, and um, yeah, I think that's kind of like really affected. Um, story and narrative and pace within movies and obviously tv as well in some ways tv's gone long format yeah true yeah yeah Yeah. it's really taking stories and then well we we are we are long format yes i know ian yeah i think for me it's the costume like um i've always been as you know a little bit of a trendsetter and um (laughs) You guys saw me wearing my Def Leppard shirt on Friday. What are you on about? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I honestly thought that was from 1995. <laughs> yeah. It no. looked like it was from 95. <clears throat> I bought a few of them back then. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I, I've always been into, maybe it's because I'm a barber as well, but I've always really enjoyed um, fashion 
and costume and especially through the ages. And I've got mm. a really neat book on fashion right through from the mods to the punks to the rockabillies to the uh, right through. It's a really good book. Just take a photo of it and put it on the Facebook thing. Mm. And um, and it just reminded me actually just what Glenn said before. And just today I was, you know, you get one of those rubbish adverts on your Instagram or whatever. And it was 19, the original Star Wars, Mark Hamill. It was Star Wars back in the old days. Mark Hamill in his orange suit with his helmet. And God, the costumes, it's just like a bit of, you know, it's like a wheat bix box on his front with a bit of yeah. dishwashing hose coming out of it. You know, very simple. If you compare oh, yeah, totally. that to, say, like Captain Marvel, you know, with the they got the helmets that zap on when they're in space mm-hmm. and all this sort of amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. The costumes I find. Oh, yeah. yeah. You, you, as talking to somebody who does cosplay, um, yeah, you're right. Um, a lot of the time when you watch those old films, God forbid, you can actually see the tape holding on some of those yeah. troopers. Um, and, and they have got better and better. But again, when you go to a cosplay event and you look at the work that people put in to get that sort of authentic costume, it's a humongous amount of hours. Yeah. And it is extraordinary to look at. Um, and mm. however, once you come up against something like one of those characters from those shows, it's pretty it can be quite fun. It makes you feel like you're seven again. Mm. I remember when I saw Vader for the first time in a long time in person. Yeah. And the person wearing it was, it would have taken them well over seven foot. And holy moly, it was really scary. It still was impressive up close. Imposing. Oh, man. I'll say it again and again. I'm old school. You know, CGI is great, but you can't go see that. If somebody walks up to you just like that in that Darth Vader suit, right, you're blown away, man. There's there's no difference. There's a big difference. No comparison. You know, I, think, I like the old stuff. I think one for me as well is actually stunts in movies. I miss, oh, like, yeah. real car crashes mm. and, you know, the, the stuntman <laughs> jumping out of a helicopter and stuff, yeah. you know. I mean, there's still a few people who kind of do that <laughs> stuff, but... That. It's all CG now, you know. Yeah. And my dad of... was asked. My dad was asked to be a stuntman recently. Nice. <laughs> and I think Mum was like, "No." Nah. What stuntman? Oh, stuntman Mike. Yeah, Dad. Dad works. Dad works <clears throat> in movies, and he drives trucks and moves equipment and sets around for them. Yeah. And um, that one, one of the very low production ones. They were, "Can you drive that?" And he's like, "Yeah, of course." And he's like, oh, would you like to actually be an extra in it and drive the truck into this sort of explosion-y thing? And he's like, oh, I've never done that before. And he's like, oh, no, I think so. Yeah. Really? Oh, I yeah, think you dad would be up for it. No, 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 he wasn't. Oh, no. we two wheels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't that bad, but we were egging him on, eh? Oh, that would have been so cool. And then, yeah, yeah, it's quite entertaining. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Oh, look, good, good, nice one, guys. I think this is a good segue into albums because, um, Ian, you talked about costumes. Uh, mm. Martin and I were listening to a podcast while we're zooming around Taranaki on Saturday. We we're listening to one on Chic. Oh, yeah. And the efforts they went to dress up and where they got their inspiration from. I don't know if you realize they, they were they were hugely inspired by Roxy Music on the um the music front but on the sort of costume front it was kiss that kind of 
got them thinking you know it's not a bad gig you can sort of get up there and and be the be the rock god that that you are and then when you get off stage no one knows who you are <laughs> you can get on with your normal life um and of course Sheikah back in the 70s right but you know you don't have to look too far um who are the who are the duo from france um that uh, punk yeah that have the helmets and that um yeah 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 i just look i just look at yeah i just look at uh i look at kiss now doing their farewell tour mm. and they're about 80 and i think those poor watsits have still got to wear those bloody boots and that must be the worst costume in the world. Imagine having to do that for, for 50 years in a row. Yeah, I think of the money. Like <laughs> you know, oh. This is what, like the sixth um, farewell tour, I think. Yeah. I think so. It's like, you know, <laughs> something is bringing them back. The I ultimate they, farewell. I think they love it. I think they love it. Obviously, they wouldn't yeah. keep doing it if they didn't love it. Yeah. So on the album front, guys, what's changed? <clears throat> well, well, it's an interesting one this week because we didn't choose our own albums, did we? They've all kind of... <laughs> we've, mm. uh... Oh, that's the other part of your experiment, isn't it? Mm. Oh, to, to give Ian all the Kate Bush and Tori Amos I could possibly give him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's been an interesting week. Everything's changed and nothing has changed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Let's get into it, eh? Let's yeah. get into it. So... Let's let's um let's start with the with the uh, the albums. Do you want to kick us off, Glenn? I got um the Blues Brothers started off as a comedy group um, or comedy duo of um, John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd um, on Saturday Night Live, and Dan Aykroyd has a huge background in the blues and he loves it to bits. Absolutely massive blues nut, and um, was. Um, got to see so many of the greats that um, came through his town and obviously he's got musical chops as well and they had this idea and John Belushi became fell in love with it as well because they were partners in the comedy duo and suddenly these characters of um, the Blues Brothers were created um, and it was on Saturday Night Live and got really really popular and um, suddenly they get a film uh, the Blues Brothers um, film. And I remember it a, a little bit, a lot later, obviously, 1980 came out. So I was only four. So there's no way I would have seen it at that time. But I do remember it watching it um, much, much later. And we had the soundtrack album as well. And I, I think I've nicked it and I've got it here. Um, and the whole music um, for that album, um, The Blues Brothers, was effectively blues and um uh, a blues and soul revival. Um, uh, did that come out before the? Um, did that come out before Ghostbusters? Yes. How many yep. years before that? Uh, about Any four, idea? Four, four years. Yeah. yeah. Oh, quite yeah. a while. Okay. Yeah, and it came out well before what was that um, movie in Ireland where they were oh, also commitments. Had a, the commitments. Yes, ah. which had a similar sort of vibe and soul Mustang, music. And Mustang, got, Mustang Sally. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. One of those that should be retired. Um, and, yeah, so it had though a whole bunch and it had all these guest stars like um, um, James Brown, Aretha Franklin, and um, oh, uh, Ray Charles. Cool. And, and it was a, a ridiculous story, obviously, because, you know, two comedians and, and that amazing music that went with it um, and 
the band, the two guys, were backed by basically a bunch of really awesome players from Stack Records. Mm. And these guys are absolute pros um, in that, that genre. So, yeah, it's a thoroughly good listen. It really is. And would the film and the soundtracks, if, if, if you had to go, right, if the Blues Brothers characters had never been invented until now, Mm. And it was invented in the same sort of way to yep. um, comedy duo, but with chops and all the rest of it. Mm. Would it be a hit now? Yes, I think it would. Because, because, because um, you can see this time and again, that, that, that sort of that blues and soul revival often kicks around quite regularly. And actually soul music is, I don't know if it's arguably ever gone away, um, it's got maybe slightly different production styles on it now, but it's still there. Mm. And I think there's always a love of classic soul. Um, and so I think it would be a hit if you've got two really charismatic sort of, you know, comedians or actors or someone like that. Um, yeah. yeah. John Belushi was suddenly a force of nature. Um, I still think it would be a hit because it would be, you know, if it came along now and we know pop is, Poppers is the toppest at the moment, mm. and it's quite um, a lot of keys, and it's quite you know we talked about production styles last week. It would come along like a breath of fresh air, and everyone would be like, "Wow!" And it's got the legends of the past. It would it would probably do quite well because of it, it's a bit of a, a fun romp. <coughs> um, so yeah, I do think it'll stack up. Nice. And, um, but I, I think you'd need to have the charismatic actors. Yeah. to help pull it off just like they had then. Um, Listen, the reason I've given you that album um, is because he talked about al- albums and movies that were formative to us as well. Mm, and yes. that album for me was my introduction to the blues. I'd never really heard blues music until I'd, I'd kind of come across mm. that album. And it's one of the, f- and I've said to David, yes, it's one of the few albums I think I've owned on every format. I've had that on cassette, I've had it on CD. I wore out the cassette. That was what I had it on first. Got the CD and now I've got it on vinyl. <laughs> so, so it's like... Um, but yeah, it, it's an album I don't listen to that often. But when I go back to it, every time I listen to it, I think, man, this is so good. <laughs> it's such a great album. And I know mm. that there's been a, a billion imitations and a billion, co- you know, cover bands on musical versions and all the rest of it. And it's been milked to death. But if you go back to those original, that original album and you go and watch the movie, it is like a yes. breath of fresh air, like you say. Yeah. Mm. You know, and it, and it would have been at the time. There was absolutely disco, hardcore disco some synthy stuff going on as well and then suddenly bam here's the blues and here's soul yeah at that point in, in time you know 1980 you know ray charles and and uh john lee hooker and and james brown even you know hadn't touched the charts probably for like best part of nearly a decade really i think um no and so i mean and that's an uh, interesting point if um so yeah, if it got put on at the movies now, would everyone go and watch it? You reckon? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think so, and it would have to I be the, pull- the pulling power of those guys. Even the original, yeah. right? You'd be like, yeah, man, let's take the kids and go and watch this. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah. Well, maybe not the kids. really. <laughs> it gets a little <laughs> bit fruity in places language-wise, but uh, it's um, um, yeah, it's a lot of fun to watch as well, you know, because it it definitely doesn't take yourself seriously in any kind of shape or form, um, and it, it just goes like you know, completely cartoony by the end of it. But um, 
Carrie Fisher and that giant gun. Yeah. <laughs> right, we need to move along, chaps. No, it's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Have you seen it, David? No, I haven't, but I'm going to. Oh, oh, oh my God. Oh, I was told about Carrie Fisher yesterday. Jesus. Martin's telling me. Yeah, definitely, go and, me. Have a, definitely mm. go and have a watch. Um, yeah. I reckon it would be a hit nowadays. Let's cut to Mr. Wallace. Let's mix it up a bit. What was your yeah. album, mate? Oh, well, I was the lucky guy this week. I was the lucky guy. So Why? Why were you lucky? I was super lucky because, you know, one of my mates who knows I hate Kate Bush decided to give me some Tory Amos. And what's wrong with Tory? Well, I mate, I mean... Uh, <laughs> I've got to tell you. No, no, I I, I want to do the review like uh, a little bit like, it's like Martin said, just to remind the listeners that, because these albums were something to us, right? Yeah, totally. You know, this is, this is, so I, I want to, I'm trying to tread careful without going too hard. But, um, so, <laughs> I mean, yeah, Tory effing Amos. Um, what, I mean... I got online and uh, what was the album that you gave me called? Little Earthquakes. Little, Little Earthquakes, the debut yeah. album. And it's, yeah. yeah, it's been remastered. It's been deluxed. It's been everything else. Um, yeah, I, uh, okay. So yeah, here we go. Uh, I went through, <laughs> I went through the songs and um, I've never really listened to Tori Amos before. In all honesty, serious, I, I couldn't best. tell you any of her songs. And I, um, I don't like her. Uh, but anyway, so Crucify is the first song. And that's I thought that was quite a dark song. I kind of mm. liked it. It had a really cool drum. It had a really cool drum sound yep. on the song, like a really good mm-hmm. sort of snare kind of. Yeah, they've been tweaking with a few things there. Uh, they had another song on the album called Girl which I thought was quite an 80s sounding song because it was released in the 90s, wasn't it? 94? 92. 92. was it? Yep. Yeah, a bit of an 80s sound going on there. There's a lot of sort of um, solo bits as well, Mm. if you've never heard it. It's quite a good variation of of songs. Um, She can be quite dark. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely. Or maybe just that album. Perhaps I don't know her other stuff. Do you know uh, much about her? You know, I mix. don't know any. <clears throat> don't know anything about her. Yeah, no, that's she was, that's she a recurring 20, thing. Yeah. She was 29 when she released that. She had a whole life before that. She was in a band. 
She played in pubs from the age of 13, gay nightclubs, because they were the safest places to play, or gay pubs. Her dad was a reverend, so he wore a collar, so no one came up to her and messed with with his 13-year-old daughter. But she was a child prodigy on the piano who basically quit one of the top piano schools in her her country um, at 11, or got kicked out, actually. She got kicked out because she was more into Hendrix than she was into Bach. Um, and it affected her quite big. So she's actually got quite a bit of cred in terms of um, that's those dark lyrics and that um, coming through. She's she's lived her life, you know. She's twenty nine. She's she's no no you know teenager that's just sort of. And if you I don't know if you listen to um, a song, "Silent All These Years," she's got some pretty oh, um, yeah pretty cutting lyrics in there. Boy, you best pray that I bleed real soon. How's that thought for you? My screen got lost in a paper. I don't mind that, but I don't like a I don't like too much of it on one album. Mm-hmm. And um maybe again it's this is only my ver- this is only my review, right? I'm yeah, gonna have a yeah, lot of haters at the end of this review. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you probably have as as many admirers too, um, I'd say. Maybe. There's a, there's a song in there called uh Leather, which mm. was yeah, um nah. Uh, there was a song called Tear in Your Hand. Uh, this was my favourite song, and David's going to play <clears throat> a bit of that now. this one because i found it quite maybe because it was quite poppy on on the album yeah um yeah i mean she still sounds like a magpie in in my <laughs> yeah i just <laughs> I, I don't know <clears throat> i'm trying to be really i'm trying to be nice uh little earthquakes um i love the start of the song uh but again the end of the song for me uh, she just sounds like a I've written down here, she sounds like an angel that's falling from the sky, choking on a peanut. I mean, I just, it doesn't do it for me. Um, And I'm just, I'm glad I reviewed it before I had Corona. Because I just. (laughs) You might have caught it from her. 
<laughs> but hey, um, after after all this, I I I had to break down why I was so negative about her. Yeah. Because it just kept coming out, and I listened to it about three times the album over the week. So I've given it a good shot. Yeah, yeah. So I've I've psychoanalyzed myself, mm. and uh, I <laughs> which is never a good thing. And I think it comes down to this: um, that she's got a a really really distinctive style, right? Um, yeah. Just like Kate Bush, a bit like Stevie Nicks, um, totally. and. That's just a style that I don't particularly enjoy, I think. I can hear the genius, right? I can hear the production mm, genius. Mm. If you like a really good produ- uh, good album that's well-produced, not overproduced, but well-produced, I'd say mm. this is a, a really good uh, thing to listen to. Um, it's, it's just the voice, you know? Would it, yeah, stand, yeah. Would it stand the test of time, the, the big question? Uh, would it stand up today? I would say yes. Uh, it's obviously a classic. I can hear that in the res- in the album mm. in the respect of it. It's just I tried, bro, but I just can't do it. Soz, I think um, <laughs> similar similar to this idea of, of things kind of going in cycles. I mean that yeah. angsty uh, solo female vocalist thing definitely is doing that because you know I think immediately in that vein, you know, obviously Kate Bush in seventies, then we had. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, well, Tori Amos, Alanis Morissette, more recently, yes. people like Lana Del Rey. Fiona Apple. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Fiona uh, Apple yeah. would fall into yeah. that. Yeah. Um, especially yeah. her amazing album from a couple of years ago, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. Ian will hate that. Um, yeah. um, well, who knows? <laughs> he might not. He might fetch the bolt cutters. Yeah. Have, you, have, you ever heard, have you ever heard of a lady called Sinead Lowen? No. no, no. Right. So she does a little bit of this kind of crazy um, vocal. She does. She's out there, Gymnastics. and she's probably my limit. So go and check out Sinead Lowen. She's my limit. Anything above that and beyond, I just think it sounds like a magpie, a bunch of magpies. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. I'm sorry. Tori's not quite at the octave of Kate. But she absolutely idolizes her. So you're not you're not wrong linking the two. She was totally inspired yes. what Kate did um, a decade right. a decade earlier. Um, you can hear so, that in the songwriting, right? Totally. Oh, yeah. hear that. Yeah. Yep. Towards the end of side one, there's a couple of tracks after um, uh, winter and silent all these years. There's a couple of tracks that are similar to what Kate does. Chasing the nuns out in the yard And I'll run naked through the street without my mask on And I will never need umbrellas in the rain I'll wake up in strawberry fields every day And the atrocities of school I can't forgive The happy phantom has no right to bitch
you know, you can definitely see the inspiration there. I think I put as I think I put a note here, which is, I mean, sums it up for me. Um, I thought the album could have been quite good, maybe if they didn't use her. Um. Brutal, brutal. Love you, love you guys. Next. And and why did you? Why? Why did it talk to you, David? Uh, So this came out, yeah, when I was about seventeen, and Mm. I was listening to a lot of Stevie Nicks as well. And you know the song Sarah from the Tusk Mm -hmm. album. Yeah, so that was that was like on repeat on my discman or whatever it was back in sixth form or whatever, and. Um, and it's very similar to that sort of song, right? So you've got um, you've got a lot of space in the in the production. So it's not it's not like that, you know, not a wall of sound hitting you. It's very much a, a piano, or in Stevie's case, you know, um, uh, brushes on the drums and 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 and, and a piano. Um, with Tori, it's, she's she's an amazing pianist, and her voice you either like it or you don't. And if you do then you don't really want to hear too much other than her voice and maybe a guitar or her voice and a piano. And sort of, that's why I kind of, I guess it just sort of suited me at the time. But the lyrics in that um, were secondary. I know they're pretty deep and she's, she makes you think um, she really does. Uh, but I wasn't really into that. I was more into just the melody and it just sounded, I thought it sounded pretty different and yeah, liked it. <laughs> All right, guys, well, we're almost at the end of side A and we've still got a couple more albums to do. So um We'll jump across quickly and uh, get into those, eh? Sounds great. Should we get Tori to take us out on side A? <laughs> Sounds great. Don't you dare. I'm uh, sick. I'm sick. Don't, don't do that to me. A, a bit of the old cornflake. <laughs> take, take, take it away, Tori. Things are 
welcome back everyone. So we're going to jump straight across to Martin now to talk about what he got given oh, on, I the got album, a, on the album front. I got given an absolute gem of an 80s compilation album. <laughs> Oh. There we go. Of you know all what? the people, I honestly didn't see that one coming. Um, <laughs> and um, it's been a lot of fun listening to this album over the last couple of days. I have to say, I, I really enjoyed it. It has been a lot of fun. Some, some dubious okay. choices on there, but um, that's that happens with compilation albums, right? There's always a couple that are like, oh, we'll just skip that one. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a, an interesting uh, compilation. It's called The Hit Zone. Because it, oh. I've had, because it was an 80s compilation album, I've had to have the word hit or zone in it. You got me sold. <laughs> totally, yeah, totally. Of every 80s compilation album. That's it. And um, interestingly enough, I was, I was listening to a couple of the songs on, on YouTube today. Um, they're, they're kind of, it was a, it's a, a New Zealand released album. And there's a couple of like New Zealand quite specific New Zealand 80s, 1985-80s tracks on this album uh, that I'd never heard of, not in a million years. Um, and as I was listening to it, um, my partner Steph came in and goes, oh, I know that song, Satellite Spice, Destiny in Motion. <laughs> she can't get into it. And she goes, what's the album? So I scrolled up on, on Discogs and showed her the album cover. She goes, would you know what? Got that album. <laughs> no. no way. <laughs> Which is absolutely brilliant. Oh, um, that is so oh, funny. Jesus. Oh my goodness. There, so, there it is. Oh, and, there um, it is. Yeah, yeah, it's just like this sounds really familiar. Like I had this, <laughs> this playlist from somewhere in my in my recesses of my memory from 1985. Uh, very similar story. It was like one of the first cassette tapes that she'd went out and brought herself. Um, and so to put it in context, all right, let's go through some of the tracks on here. Okay, so it kicks off with, uh, <laughs> how do you describe this? How do you describe this? A slice of 80s doo-wop, I guess is the closest thing I can think of. We've got Sister okay. Sledge singing Frankie. Um, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to make that one of my choices for the playlist this week. You'll be pleased to know. Um, not, not the, um, not the opener I was kind of hoping for, but uh, <laughs> but, but but quite fun nonetheless. Uh, and then we've got the likes of, of like some of the monster hits of the time. So we've got things like Eurythmics doing "Them Be an Angel" and uh, "Simply Red." Uh, Money's too tight to mention. There's a bit of Madonna on there, and some Tina Turner, and some Brian Adams, and some Hugh Lewis because it was 1985, and Hugh Lewis was absolutely everywhere. I think any compilation album that came out in 1985 had the power of love on it because, back, again, we're back to Back to the Future. Um, yeah, um, but the ones that were interesting for me yeah, were the ones that I didn't know particularly um, or or never heard before. Um, and um, They're normally called fillers. <laughs> they're normally called fillers, yeah, absolutely, because they were probably cheap. Right, the licensing yeah. for it wasn't it right. wouldn't have been a great deal to get those yeah. rather than a Tina Turner song. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, so that the first one I want to play is uh, Destiny in Motion by Satellite Spies. An interesting, who? Interesting, <laughs> yeah, <right? laughs> and that's I think they deserve a little bit of exposure right now. So we'll, we'll I, I, I agree, I, I like that song. 
can't get over your compilation, a, a compilation album, only slightly better than a best of. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah true. A best of is slightly better, but yeah, yeah. anyway. No, I don't know, because at least here you get a bit of variety, right? Okay, so, all right, so what I will say about this and what made it a lot of fun today was watching the videos for, for a lot of these songs. Why and, did you um, do that? I have to say, like, there's a Brian Ferry song in here, on here, Don't Stop the Dance. I like that song. Right? It's not a bad song. Not a bad song. Very, very Brian song. Ferry. Very it's Brian not a great Ferry. song. It's not a great song, but I do like it. Yes, I do. Okay. Yeah. Um, interesting <laughs> interesting video. It's certainly, um, it's certainly dated slightly. Um, I haven't seen that before. Right. Oh, I'm going to put it up on the Facebook page. So oh, the first thing that came into my mind was, was Stars in the Rise. But rather than stars in your eyes, it's actually stars on her on her ass, because the the lady in the video is wearing like a black dress with two great big stars right on her butt cheeks, um, which seem to be like the predominant theme of the video all the way through it. There's a great section of her miming the saxophone, so <laughs> just, just, so, yeah, so that was a that was a, an interesting one, and then Pointer Sisters, dare me. Now that's an interesting video. They're all dressed up as guys in the video. It's quite disturbing to watch, actually. Oh, it's, it's in a boxing ring, nonetheless. Um, doesn't really fit with the lyrics of the song, but hey, it was the eighties. Nothing did, right? Um, yeah. So um, some really, yeah. As I say, some massive songs on there. You know, "Summer of '69" by Brian Adams and uh, "Dress You Up" by Madonna and stuff like this. Um, nice to see life in a northern town on there. Um, that instantly brings an, an air of sophistication to any compilation. It's <laughs> compilation. Album. Uh, a great song, great track, and then a bit of air supply to see you out at the end of it as oh, well. God, I love it. <laughs> which, which one? Which one? Which one? The, the one? Power of Love. How many songs were called The Power of Love in like 84, so 85? Many. So oh, many. Yeah. There's two um, on Frankie, this album. Frank, Frank, Frankie, goes to <laughs> Frankie goes to Hollywood. Great tune. Um, had yeah. one. <clears throat> yeah, that's fabulous. The power um, of air supply. Yeah, yeah, I love that song too. Huey Lewis. Um, um, yeah. Who's the other one? Kate, uh, not Kate. I was going to say Kate Bush, but it's not Kate Bush. It was uh, Jennifer Rush. Yes. Did, did that right. great big, I am your lady thing, right? Oh, oh Jesus right. Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> that thing. Oh, so, yeah. Um, Thank you so much for giving me this, Glenn. It's been, it's been a lot of fun going back over it. Um, so I'm going to see this out because it's uh, from from my segue um, with uh, a bit of Jan Hama doing the Miami Vice thing because that's about his 80s. Oh, yeah.
Well, um, I think it was I got record vouchers for Christmas and my birthday, and it probably would have been around 85, 86, um, and that that summer. Mm. And um I'd recently seen um, um Back to the Future and um loved the fact that that film was awesome and the power of love was on it plus there was a whole bunch of other hits from that time take take on me by aha was on there which i really loved mm. um and so and i i liked the you know i'd heard some of these songs all on the radio of that year so radio yeah. was a great way to hear about these things and this tape seemed to have so many of the hits that i kind of liked at the time so and I bought it with my own money and my own vouchers and I chose this. And, and you're such a you're such an 80s kid. Of course I was. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. an 80s kid. That wasn't and, the, the title? The hit was it hit zone? Yeah. Hit zone, yeah. 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 And of course, but it was something that I chose. It wasn't necessarily what mum and dad had and they mm. bought they bought some compilations as well but this mm. was my one that i chose and you had was, the power you well, had the power of grayscale that's right at that time i did and then they're right <laughs> I, there are a bunch of songs on here i don't remember um i don't remember the dream academy song but i'm gonna go and check that out mm. but um and i don't remember history by my tie or the pointer sisters or even that Frankie song, but yeah. Did it have um? Did it have fraction? Too much friction in it? No, it didn't. No. Tim Finn. Hmm. No. So um, that's the reason why I chose it because yes, it did have an influence on. I'd obviously been listening to a lot of music and getting more hmm. and more interested in mum and dad stuff, but I also chose something for myself, and that felt quite. I did think about all these other albums that were quite hmm. formative as well, but you know what um. This one was kind of that first thing of me going and special buying. Place. Yeah. Special so place. That, that, and that's that's the reason why I chose that. Yeah. Um because nice. it's in part yeah, that's exactly that. And I nice. surprise. Well we're, we're actually learning quite a lot about each other on this. We are, we mm. are. And um I'm lucky last on the album front, so I got given Joe Satriani, Ian. Which one? By you. Um <laughs> Something surfing about a blue, with it, surfing a with blue flying no. in a blue dream. Flying in a blue dream. dream by Joe Satriani. So what can I say about this album? Well, first of all, I'd never listened to any Joe Satriani before this. This is my oh. first. Um, my first. Uh, <laughs> I was a Joe Satriani, uh, Satriani version, virgin. <laughs> well, you've and never heard a Satriani song. If I've not, heard of him. I, I've heard of group. him, but I didn't. I couldn't tell you any songs, and that might have been in the background. But from what I can see here, um, I'm pretty happy that I'd never heard of him. <laughs> I, can't oh, yeah. I can't believe you had heard of it. I, I, well, I. Sorry. I was just going to say, like, like I said to, we were listening to a bit, bit of it on Saturday, and um, I said to Dave, like, I wish he'd chosen surfing with the alien rather than flying in the blue dream. Because it's oh, like yeah. it's like from there to like there in terms yeah. of like album. I think you know? no, I don't no, think Mark, you learned he, a lot. He, he did it on purpose. No, Ian did this on purpose. Because <laughs> I gave him no, three I'll, I'll tell you at the end of the I'll tell you at the end of your review why. 
But yeah, so, no, it's interesting. Yeah. This is a big album, right? So it's shocker. 64 minutes, 47 seconds of 18 minute, 18 songs. This thing's got it Good all. Good value for money, mate. Good value for money. There, wow, well, there's there's certainly quantity. <laughs> I won't, I won't, yeah. There's quantity. Um uh, a lot of instrumental stuff, of course. Um, but then he starts singing. Unfortunately, uh, he doesn't have the best voice ever. <laughs> I understand he's pretty, he's okay on the guitar, so that helps. Um, yeah. Big Bad Moon. Uh, obviously, that's a, you know, that's, he's pretty well known for that. That riff in there, I'm pretty sure that he's either taking that from someone else or someone's taking it from him. Isn't oh, there a yeah. song? Isn't there he's- a song? That's an old blues uh, one, mate. It's been used. Didn't, didn't. It's, it's, it's got it. Well, the, the thing is, it's got a hook. It's easy to. Yeah, it's a it's, classic. You know, riff. It's a classic. Um, but uh, a lot ZZ of these songs top. don't. Don't. Yeah, ZZ Top. That's who it is. That sort of riff. Yeah. I was trying to figure out who it, where, where it, who it sounded like. So, um, and I understand this guy's like the granddaddy for so many guitarists that came in after that were amazing shredders and just brilliant at their craft. So, mm. Huge respect um, to him for that, but I struggled to get get into this album in a constructive way. <laughs> I was listening to it with Martin, and we were bullied. And while he was shredding, we were te- tearing shreds off it. it kind, of felt, kind of felt like you were air guitaring. Well, some of it, some of it. There were some hand gestures. The, oh, <laughs> Oh yeah, the production I, of I've it. never seen I, that chord before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the idea of you two driving in a car. <laughs> you two driving in a car air guitaring to Satriani. There are a couple <laughs> of tracks there, and I thought this this definitely would have been a good backing track to Hill Street Blues. <laughs> <laughs> and the funny like, thing, I mean the irony is that, uh, you know, he was uh, Tori Amos session guitarist for about six years. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> Payback. Mate. Well, we're both wrong then. Uh, <laughs> now I'm going to ask a gullible question. Is that true? No. Subtlety is not what I would call Satriani. Look, let, let's let's agree on one thing here. Satriani's history of playing in gay clubs as well. <laughs> <laughs> Look, he's got the forgotten part one, part two, the bells of what? The bells of Lal or something, part one and two. Um, it's and and yeah. there's a lot of instrumental stuff. There's it's not all heavy shredding, there's some. Uh, some interesting. In fact, there was one. I can't remember what song. There's one that sounded just like Jamie, um, like, uh, um, oh, fuck, what's his name from Fleetwood Mac, the guitarist, uh, Lindsey Buckingham's "Big Love." Um, uh, the, I can't remember, but it, it sounded just like Lindsey playing, and it was like, "Whoa, okay, that's quite different." So, um, I thought, would it, would it stand up today? Probably not. Actually, probably would if you're a if, if you're going looking for this sort of stuff. So you, you need to be, and if the production was a bit more modern, so get rid of some of that echo shit on the drums. Um, so it's less sort of 1980s Hill Street Blues type sort of bring the, you know, make it more mm. about the guitar, less about the voice, because he doesn't have the best voice. Absolutely. This, I mean, the guy's a legend and the guy absolutely um, 
is relevant in any era. But I just think the production's a bit dated, and you can tell. You can certainly tell it's nineteen eighty something or ninety one or whatever it was. Yeah. Um, but no, no. Um, uh, yeah, and Big Bad Moon was my track, which I thought um, was very accessible. before he was the first was it's um i mean it, it you know the it's probably it may be one of my least favorite satriani albums uh and i don't think it would stand the test of time i think if you put it out now people would be like "Wow, oh, this is terrible but um it, at that time and i was really going like you guys did with something that was specific to me mm. and at that time right and I definitely remember at that time, I didn't have a huge amount of records and CDs to to to, to listen to. I think I had a couple of Harry Connicks. Uh, I got given the Satriani one. Um, and I had a Texas Flood, Stevie Ray Vaughan, which, uh-huh. I mean, that stands the test of time. But um, yeah, this one, so Surfing with the Aliens, an amazing album. But uh, I used, I think, just because it was there, and I used to just play it to death because it was there, you know. Um, and the song it opened up my musical knowledge. That I think there's uh, what's it, back to Shalabal, yeah. where he starts playing some really Eastern scales and more as a guitarist, more um, Eastern. Um, they're not scales. They're um, uh, what do they call them? Modes. Um, modal music, so it was good in that sense as well to to hear something different, not just twelve bar blues like SRV, you know.
But that's a pretty fair review, I think, man. Yeah, it's all pretty watery stuff. Um, but it just happened to be there on the shelf. Well, we didn't have a lot of money. In fact, no money like um, David mm. was talking about last week. Um, so it was either mixtapes from your friends um, or dubbed tapes or whatever your parents or if you were lucky enough to have older brothers and sisters, um, you could listen to a whole bunch from them as well. Yeah. I remember your brother Ian had heaps of things. Well, it seemed like heaps compared to anyone else, but it was. He did, um, and, and I... I and I struggled. It was sad, really, because I struggled with that because um, my brother went down the heavy metal um, oh, yeah. and hard metal road, which I now I listen to some of that stuff now and I really enjoy. Um, but at the time, I was like, "Well, wow, Megadeth, what is this trash?" Yeah, and, and and I remember he had Wasp and Anthrax and stuff oh, anything. like that, and yeah. it's ghastly. But so yeah. many New Zealand men love that shit, or did. Yeah. Uh, yeah, older brothers, man. It was an older brother thing. And I well, remember I'm... going to another mate's older brother's house, and he had a mix of classic rock and that too. Yeah. So yeah. it was a really interesting stuff. But, yeah, it was an older brother thing, I reckon. A bottle of lime brown, Ford oh, Cortina. Yeah. Ford Cortina and a heavy metal album, right? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> since we're on that... Uh... Should I do my film review? Because that kind of sums it up. <laughs> what film did you end up with? Let's do a review, sort of. So I've just spoken, so I'll speak again. Dave, Dave got a foreign <laughs> film. <laughs> oh, I certainly did. Ian, you gave me... Um, mate, I was waiting for the trifecta. What's what's coming next, mate? You gave me... Yeah. How the hell do you even say this? El, Ma, El, El, El Mariachi. Mariachi. El Mariachi. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. El Mariachi. The very first seen. film of one Robert Rodriguez. Rodriguez, our brilliant choice. Um, <laughs> I I was pretty scathing of this film, eh, Martin? Like, we were, I, was, I was trying to watch it in the motel over the weekend, and fuck me, it just took forever to, like, it's not slow. It's not slow. It's just, it was probably B grade back in the day. It's probably D or E now. To be fair, um, but I will say, did you know this film was made on a budget of guess how much? A girl. Close seven thousand US dollars. Yeah, and you know, how and much who does it star? Who, who does it star in the movie for that amount of money? It doesn't doesn't star anyone, mate. There's no stars, all right. Salma Hayek. I mean, I, I, I don't know any of these people. Oh, Antonio Banderas. No Can way. No, He's no, not no. in there. That was That's Desperado. That's Desperado. Desperado. That's the Hollywood remake of... Um, oh, did you watch the... Mariachi. Oh, you watched the original. You <laughs> gave me the original. Oh, dude. No, I meant... Dis- El oh. Mariachi, mate. You watched, the, you watched the wrong one, bro. Oh, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> you made me watch that. Did I... Oh, I sent you the wrong link. Sorry, mate. Three freaking days to get my head around this thing. <laughs> Well, I'm going to review so it because sweet. if I have to suffer, <laughs> you're suffering with me. So this thing oh. was made on a budget of seven grand and it shows. <laughs> okay, look, i got to say, in all fairness, you probably win this one. I gave you Tori. You, you, yeah. you, you, gave, me, you gave me this shit and you didn't even know you gave me this shit. <laughs> I said, you, I, actually, I quite like the original though. 
Mm, me too. Yeah. It's got its charm. It's got its charm and it's got the styles, which you, you know, so many Rodriguez things. Oh, so. look, if, if you were going to do, if you're a music, if you're a film student and one yeah. of um, a Rodriguez fan, this is fascinating because you can certainly see he had no money, right? So he basically, he did the, he did the score. He probably he, his family wrote most of the songs. If you look at the if you look at the credits and see how many of the songs were written by Rodriguez, mm. they were all there. He mm. also did the stunts. We were talking about stunts before. He Rodriguez did the stunts. He did the music. He directed, produced, and wrote it. Wow! So full credit to yeah. the dude, right? Yeah, and for seven house. grand, he made a million bucks off that seven grand at the box office. It go. is in the Guinness Book of Records for being. Um, the movie that's made over a million bucks at the box office on the, on the lowest budget. Well, there um, you go. So, look, there yeah. is, I, look, I, and that's why I felt a bit after after reading all that, after watching it and reading all this, I thought, oh, he's done pretty well. He's done pretty well. For you know, it was it was jarring in parts because the acting's a bit rubbish and the bloody use of fast forward. Do you remember that? He's yeah. You, you're watching the movie and suddenly they fast forward about twenty seconds of the next bit to. Like a guy dialing the phone, and it's like in, in, in like chipmunk speed, and it's just, it's a bit weird, but <laughs> it's very weird. But um, one thing I will say, it wasn't slow. Uh, this is a film that came out, oh, God knows when it came out, 1989 or something like that. It was yeah. fast paced. Um, editing was really fast, lots of um, massive, um, you get a headache with the zooms. He used the wide angle lens. It's probably the only lens. Martin was saying it's probably the only lens he had, but he used that. Yeah, probably. And, and close-up shots. <laughs> <laughs> Plate faces. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. So um, would it stand up today? Uh, no, because even the budget stuff we do in, in the indie films, um, this was just, this was, the, uh, this is extreme, man. Seven grand. I mean, what the hell can you do for seven grand? People didn't, they obviously didn't get paid. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a turtle on the front cover of the DVD. The the, the turtle probably got, the turtle was probably um, probably would have won the Oscar for best acting. You know, <laughs> it was shocking. Uh, that was. Couldn't, couldn't you see that having a you know you know you're saying about it not being probably successful now? Could you not see that of having a, a life on something like Netflix? Totally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the age-old story, it's, isn't it? You know, yeah, after a woman. Yeah. Yeah. I can see it having... Well, if, so I'm trying to remove the fact that it's produced by and directed and written by Robert Rodriguez, who's yeah. done, gone on to do so many good things after that. Should he did the cinematography as well as the editing. Oh, my mm. God. Yeah, um, yeah it, it's, it's certainly wow. got historical value, and it's obviously... Um, uh, an interesting piece of work for film students, but uh, it took me ages to watch this because it was just painful. <laughs> it was, and, and also what didn't help was the fact that I was watching it with English, uh, English dub, overdub. Um. Uh, so not even the subtitles, because I couldn't get a copy with subtitles. So, I, so you know, you know, when you watch a, a foreign film and they're, they're speaking in English and the lips don't sync up, it looks a bit bloody chaotic anyway. So that didn't help. Mm. Yeah. Oh, um, enough, why, why'd you pick that film, mate? Well, I didn't. I picked Desperado, but you went and watched <laughs> the wrong one. <laughs> I, I didn't even hear. Oh, fuck, thanks. 
I uh no 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 I I'll, I'll tell you why actually they all go hand in hand hand in hand yeah and I chose that movie because at the time when I started watching that uh I got given a book called Puerto Vallarta Squeeze and a CD by two guys called Lobo and Willie who are Mexican musicians and feature in the book Puerto Vallarta Squeeze and then followed by that, I watched this movie. I got it out of the video store. And after those combination of three things, I then started my journey off to Spain. Oh, wow. That was, that's what triggered me to leave NZ. That was me done. Yeah. Wow. So there you go. Mm. Fabulous. I did want to be more like, I wanted to be more like Antonio Banderas in all fairness and the guy in the original one, but you know. Well, the guy in the original one, yeah, he, um, he looks you know like he's about and, 12 and, years old. And Desperado as well has, has a magnificent soundtrack as well. Absolutely. Like Cheeto and Tarantula and all this kind oh, of stuff. Oh, Lost low boss all over the place. Oh, Yeah, and, and if Desper- Desperado would still be a hit now. Oh, yeah, yeah. I do believe so, though, eh? If that hadn't been around and then this thing came along, Desperado, mm. the more the, the Hollywood production, um, I think it'd be a hit. Yeah. I mean, he I made agree. everybody swoon, yeah. old Antonio. Um, Did he yeah, win? Selma and made Selma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't forget Selma. Yeah. How <laughs> could you forget? forget. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think, yeah, again, um, yeah, I think it would be a hit. All right, so should we cut across to Martin? It must be your turn now. Yeah, um, I got given this little art house film. Um, the, the original title for, well, no, not original title, but uh, the, uh, the head of the film studio wanted to call this movie Spaceman from Pluto. Yay. That was, that was the title they wanted to give it. Wow. Um, oh, okay. And uh, so happens that uh, it was actually produced by a man called Steven Spielberg, um, who intervened, sending the, the head of the studio a memo saying, Hey, Sid, thanks for your most humorous memo. We all got a big laugh out of it. Keep them coming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so it ended up becoming a film called Back to the Future. And, oh um, my go God! Spaceman yeah. from Pluto. Spaceman from Pluto. What? The... What was he smoking? <laughs> so yeah, I, you know what? I, I don't really want to talk too much about the film, but um, you know, every, I think I think it's fair to say that a lot of people have seen the movie. I think it's it's a classic, you know, by by any any stretch. Um, the first one is still the best one for me. But it's interesting with the, the two sequels. For me, those two sequels keep swapping out. Sometimes I, I prefer the second one, and sometimes I prefer the third one. I don't know what that is, but just over the years, it seems to change, keeps changing. Hoverboard versus train, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's a brilliant, brilliant movie. It's a lot of fun. Um, Spielberg was absolutely on fire although it's not, you know, it wasn't directed by Spielberg it was directed by Robert Zemeckis um, but um, 
yeah, it just, again, it's just, it's a very 80s movie. Um, has it dated? Yeah, yeah, it's dated. But, you know, there's enough in there to keep it still engaging and fun. And, and that's the thing, you know, we talked about this, mm. this whole thing about movies running at such a pace now. This has its slow moments. There's not many of them, but they're in there. Um, mm. You know, but uh, in terms of like, the background for it, yeah, it, it, the idea came to Robert Zemeckis in like 1980. And he actually says that the idea came from when he visited his parents' house and found like their yearbooks from like 1950s. And they'd never seen them before. And suddenly thought, well, you know, my parents actually had a life before <laughs> I came along. Uh, so, uh, <clears throat> yeah, it was an interesting idea. And you know, well, what would it be like if I went back and met them at that time in their life? So that's really the idea for it came from, really. Um, it was a troubled movie in terms of its production. It went through all kinds of problems. Um, one of the big ones being that they wanted Michael J. Fox to star in it. Couldn't get him at the time, as he was doing um, Family Ties. Remember Family oh, Ties? Sha la la la. That stuff. Um, yeah, and and it, uh, the um, the head of the studio for Family Ties um, refused to even show him the script. He actually hit the script, so he never even saw the script to begin with. Wow. Um, the studio was was pushing for Eric Stoltz. You know the actor oh, Eric Stoltz. Eric. Yeah, Eric Stoltz. So they yeah. gave the role of Marty McFly to Eric Stoltz. Um, yeah, and they started shooting, and he actually did. I think it was like forty-six days of shooting before they decided they actually, you know what, it's not very good. We should get rid of him <laughs> and have another go to see if we can get Michael J. Fox because he's playing it really, really straight and he's got all method acting on it, and it's 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 pretty intense the performance is giving really so um yeah they sacked him uh, wouldn't it be funny to rewatch? wouldn't it be funny to see some of that stuff if they released a bit of it that'll be cool yeah well i think you know if you go on like if you go on youtube and look at some and there's a billion documentaries on, on like that's the bats of future trilogy like making ups and stuff you'll see some of that footage and and immediately when you watch it you're like yeah, it's not money mcfly you know it doesn't yeah it <laughs> doesn't fit the character at all. Um, so they eventually, yeah. ma- they eventually managed to get a script to Michael J. Fox, who immediately said, yeah, I want to do it. Um, but the, um, the head of the Family Ties production basically said to him, you can only do it if you still do Family Ties at the same time. So he was going in and shooting Family Ties during the day, then going and shooting Back to the Future in the evening, which is why so much of it is actually shot at night, when you think back to it. Oh, a lot true. of the 50s stuff, and all sort of yeah. stuff in the parking lot and stuff at the beginning, you know, it's all at night time. Oh. Um, <laughs> so Michael J. Fox was absolutely dead on his feet. Um, they were literally like having to carry him home at the end of the shift and like stick him on the sofa for two hours. Then his call would come in to go to family ties and he'd go and he'd go to fa- the family ties set. Um, so weird. In fact, that he said there was one episode of family ties where he was actually looking around for a camcorder um, and then realised actually, oh no, that's that's Back to the Future that I had the camcorder. <laughs> <laughs> so they called, uh, us, called us dead doc. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, I just want to go. Uh, what is quite interesting here is some of the other people that were up for the were, were considered for the role, um, and what a movie! That, uh, and also for Doc Brown as well, 
because this is I found this fascinating because I just thought, what kind of movie would that have been? So for for Marty, they were thinking of John Cusack, Johnny Depp, Ralph Macchio, Charlie Sheen, John Cryer, a very young Ben Stiller, Robert Downey Jr. Um, and the list goes on and on, actually. <laughs> a huge list of, of, of people they considered for that role. But the really fascinating one for me is the ones for Doc Brown. Okay, so get this. John Lithgow, Dudley Moore, Robin Williams, <laughs> John Cleese, Gene Hackman, <laughs> James oh. Woods, <laughs> and my personal favourite, Jeff Goldblum. Can you imagine? Yeah. Now, he would have been in his, like, 20s, probably yeah. 30s at that point, at most. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum is Doc Brown. Man, if you, if you yeah. really wanted to make that film weird, that would have been yeah. the way to do it, right? John, please. That would be... Yeah. Enough. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, um, yeah, uh, Christopher Lloyd turned it down originally. Didn't want to do it. And someone, uh, one of his friends basically convinced him that, he, yeah, maybe you should give this a go. Yeah, um, yeah nice. it, it was... Um, the, the original budget was around about 14 million. It ended up at 17 and a half because of the reshoots. Um, they did do a lot of sneaky stuff in the reshoots. So when Michael J. Fox wasn't on set, they would shoot like back of head. Um, they did a lot of um, Christopher Lloyd's dialogue with him absolutely completely separately. So and that's something to kind of watch out for when you watch the editing, because yep. you you know you never see you're never seeing a shot where like both of them are in the same frame. Oh, really? For a lot of, for a lot of that sort that stuff. So a lot of the conversations that they're having, it's literally like I, one actor was there one, during the night, and the other actor was there during the day, kind of thing. And so it's it's a little odd in terms of how that works. Um, <clears throat> in terms of the soundtrack for the movie, a brilliant soundtrack. Um, both the orchestral score, which was by Alan Silvestri, um, and also some interesting choices of songs on that soundtrack, including a Lindsay Buckingham song. There was a Lindsay Buckingham song on there as well. Um, uh, uh, Huey Lewis, That Power of Love. Um, again, um, originally he turned it down, didn't want to do it. Where um, he makes the cameo appearance. He does, yeah, yeah. that's right. He's one of the school teachers. At the <laughs> Sorry, boys. You're too loud. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right. Oh, I, yeah. Did, I did not know that. Yeah. He um, tells them they're too loud, doesn't he? He does, yeah. yeah. Fascinating. Um, yeah, it's he so said, cool. there's no way in hell that I'm going to write a song called Back to the Future. So they said to him, well, you don't have to. Like, you can write any song you want. And so he said, <laughs> okay, well, the next song that I write, you guys can have. And it just happened to be Power of Love. Awesome. Um, yeah. Which is kind of iconic. And it's isn't it it amazing that with all of those constraints or whatever you want to call them, you know, all the hurdles they had to and the hoops they had to go through to get Michael J. Fox to reshoot and everything, it's turned out to be an absolute perler of a film, a classic, right? Mm. That, um, yeah, phenomenal. So why did I choose this? Because it seems yeah. like a bit of a cliched go-to type thing. Again, just like the hit zone, um, I went to this movie with my cousins who are a little bit older, or one's about my age and a little bit older, and we were dropped off at the Mayfair Theatre in New Plymouth, and we got to watch it, and, and it was us by ourselves watching a movie, wow. and it was a current movie, and... Um, 
bam, it was like, holy moly. And it just happened to be that good. Um, it was a really fun film. Just everything about it was just awesome. Yeah. Um, and probably oh, that old? moment, nine, probably nine. Nine. Just so this 10, is, yeah. yeah, okay. So we can sort of date this for you because the, mm. tape, the tape or whatever it was that yeah, yeah, Dave yeah. Martin was so, just after. So having that, I think there's a little bit more independence to be mm. and find out who you are a little bit. And, um, yeah. So, nice. yeah, Back to the Future was certainly that. And it was just such a great, oh, I'm lucky it could have been, you know, Muppets Take Manhattan or anything <laughs> like that. But um, <laughs> thankfully it wasn't. That was this particular thing. So it was. A, mm. I felt that's pretty cool. And that's nice. why I chose that because of that. And I still, every time it comes on now, even if it came on right this second, I'd be still glued to it and I'd probably end up watching the whole thing before going to bed. Well, Which takes us to like Saturday night. We, 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 we'd we gone out and had something to eat, came back and switched on the TV and what was on? Beetlejuice. And, and again, like, there was no totally way in hell I wasn't going to sit there and watch the rest of the whole of Beetlejuice. Yeah, so, we did. We watched the rest of Beetlejuice. It was You've got to be kidding me. It was, a, oh. it was awesome, mate. You guys were staying in a pub and you watched Beetlejuice. No, no, we left <laughs> but the pub by that point. <laughs> this was your, pub's, pub. your, pub, your pub's close at 8.30, mate. Yeah. <laughs> rural, bro. It's all rural. Okay. Thanks very much for that, Martin and Glenn. Let's cut across now to Ian. What did you have in terms of a film? This week. My film this week was given to me by the Honourable David Chan. And um, Jesus, I've lost my little notebook. What have I done with it already? Oh, there it is. That's the old COVID brain kicking in. I got given uh, a few good men. You can't handle a few good men. You can't handle <laughs> I can't. You're right. Now, you've all seen it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those who haven't seen the movie, uh, <clears throat> it's a good movie. Massive cast. Uh, huge, huge cast. Who's not in it? I mean, geez. Probably easier to say that than who's in it, right? Mm. It's got pretty much everyone that was big at the time. Um, I've, I'm not crazy about um, courtroom sort of those kind of courtroomy like drama mm. movies, you know? Yeah. Yep. Not not mad about those sort of things. Like the, the firm and those sorts of. Yeah. Mm. I, I, I'll do them, but mm. probably you're not my first choice. Um, but this this was good. I mean, it's a it's a classic movie. Uh, it's a really good movie. It's it's got a good story. Uh, it's the story sort of follows a court martial of um, two U.S. Marine guys that are charged with murder of a fellow Marine. Yeah. Um, it's good suspense. It's really really good acting. I thought um, for its time. Um, I think as a movie, yeah, really good. And you know, actually, I've I've seen it before, but not not for a long, long time. And when I've rewatched it, 
Isn't that funny? After not watching something for so long, and you think, "Ah, oh, yeah, that's yeah, still really powerful," you know. The whole the acting, act- the acting carries it, doesn't it? Really, yeah. some of those performances between the actors, the um, the time, the the, the session, you know, the, who's in it? Demi Moore, yeah. um, Demi Moore, Tom, Tom Cruise. Cruise, Jack Nicholson. Um, just in everyone, yeah, you've got everyone so you've famous got all class there, right? And just watching yeah. them, and and Jack Nicholson's obviously honed his craft, right? Um, yeah. by this stage, and he he knows how to hold an audience, right? And just that, I mean, there's obviously that final courtroom scene, but pretty much as soon as the tension starts building between him and Tom Cruise's oh, character, man. that hit and and he he starts. He starts, you know, obviously just showing his true colors. It's um, it's pretty compelling watching, seeing how that that sort of that relationship deteriorates. It's good. It's I think I don't know if they're in their prime when they did that, but they're all definitely on top mm. form. Everybody's on top form, and um, it's nice to see that era of actors all on top form. You know, nobody's. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? They're all doing a real good performance. Uh, do you know what I found interesting reading about it was um, the figures, the money figures are crazy yeah. for this really? movie. Yeah, the budget was forty million. Yep. Box office was two forty three million. Oh, yeah. So they made big a big number. That's a big number back then. Big number. Um, Tom Cruise was on a salary of twelve point five million for that movie. Ooh. And that's going back. When did that come out? Ninety-two. Those are 92. big numbers. Yeah. yeah. Jack Nicholson got five million dollars for ten days shooting. Not bad. Yeah. Um. But actually, but you know, for that, I think for that famous line that he comes out with, it's it's worth it, isn't it? That, on, on 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 the count yeah. of three, boys. One, two, three. You, you can't handle the truth. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that if you if you look online for the top ten monologue monologues of all time in cinema, that's right up there on everyone's page, right? Everyone's videos. You got the um, you got the Goodwill Hunting one where uh, uh, Robin and Matt Damon are sitting on the park bench, and mm-hmm. he's given he's, he's basically giving Matt Damon a serve for being an arrogant little shit. Um, that's 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 right up there. But this this courtroom scene at the end is widely considered to be one of the best monologue, um, you know, acting pieces. Oh, I think my favorite all. monologue would be um, that whole "Say hello to my little friend." That's yeah. that's uh, say hello to my little friend. <laughs> <laughs> we were having a conversation about Scarface on the weekend as well. It certainly so. was. Saying how love that movie, Mister Thurston. Introduced me to Scarface and corrupted me forever. <laughs> fly, Pelican, fly. Fly, Pelican, fly. Exactly. <laughs> I love that line. It's exactly the one I was going for, too. <laughs> oh. But yeah, it was uh, it was a good choice. Thanks, David. It was um, it was nice to revisit and rewatch. It's a classic. Would it fit in today's world? I believe mm. so. Yeah. Um, the story really? is well. Yeah, I think. This, yeah. I think the story's well told, but it could be probably vamped up and pumped out somewhere. Um, mm. it, it's it's dated, but 
you know, just in things like maybe, like I said at the start of the show, things like costume and yeah, and and time and and yeah, (laughs) that sort of stuff. But otherwise, I mean, I I would give it an eight out of ten from this rotten tomato. You you could easily transplant um, instead of the Marines, the murder type thing. You could easily turn it into an American police. You know, ordering mm-hmm. shoot, shoot, yes. or you know, yes, war crimes yes. against um, uh, um, yep. civilians um, in totally Afghanistan and Iraq, and it would be yep. equally equally compelling. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think, if anything, yeah, you transplant those sort of stories, and mm. bam. Yeah, good point. But something was- extraordinarily potent, eh? It was kind of of its era as well, though, because there was a lot of those courtroom drama type movies at that time. Oh, you know, it's like yes. Panic and Brief and The Accused, and uh, it was the one with Susan Sarandon, and there was there was yeah, heaps yeah. of them. Yeah, it was it was an era for it, wasn't it? It was mm. a it was a time for it. You're right. Will that time come around again? Who knows? Courtroom stuff is always popular. Mm. The underdog winning over the over the power of set B. Yeah, yeah mm. absolutely. Yeah. Thanks, Sam. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're welcome. Well, why did you why did it, you choose it? It didn't well when it came out, I remember seeing it, and I'm I saw it maybe a couple of years after it came out, I think. I don't know if I, I certainly didn't see it in the cinema, so I would have been on VHS. Mm. And just that whole Building up, building up, ratcheting up the tension between the, the actors. It, it was Jack Nicholson versus, you know, basically everyone else that was trying to that were trying to pin it on him that he'd uh, ordered the code red or whatever it was. And it just ratcheting up the tension. And that obviously that final scene, right, where uh, you know, you think the colonel's got it under control and he's he's sort of manipulating things and, and he's got it. He's sort of controlling the, the puppets. But then in the end, just loses it, just completely loses it, right? Has a go at the judge. Judge tells him to respect his court and then can't take any more of the pressure. And um, he gets tripped up by, you know, Tom. Tom's char- character does some clever legal argument work thingies and ends up tripping him up and um and he just loses it completely and refuses to be arrested and just yeah i, I thought it was just so compelling just that whole again building up of the tension and then um yeah and i, I, think, I gotta say yeah i i do i do love a movie that does make you it does draw you in it is compelling and then it gets <clears throat> to the point where you kind of know what's coming but when it actually happens, it gives you that sense of release. You are, it's like popping that first pimple, right? You're like, yeah, they got them. I probably yes. was back then too. Yeah. That's it. Maybe why I liked it. You've, yeah. I think you've, you've found something there that I've had in the way for a long time. There's not many movies that do that for me at the moment. I kind of predict them and think, oh, yeah. And then it's kind of, oh, yeah, there it is. You bang um, on the money. Is that an acting thing? What is that? Why no. is that? don't know maybe you're just older been there seen that before well you're I, younger, I must... you may have haven't seen it mm. yeah yeah i won't go yeah okay i was just going to talk about the marvel stuff that i've been watching recently and it's absolute shit 
and you can you can pretty much you know exactly what's going to happen so you're like let's just fast forward to the end and just well i find and hugs and it's all good and yeah i mean i find the i just find uh you know oh god i sound really old but i'm not i really i do give everything a shot and um i just find that the older actors are definitely way more class and way more committed and just more believable maybe you watch it and you you they drag you in you're in there right and then the rest is history different way of doing it you know it was a whole Mm. different ball game when those guys started up you watch some of jack nicholson's early stuff you watch like chinatown or you watch one flow of the cuckoo's nest which we've reviewed before and stuff like that the guy was always had this mm. magnetism to him on screen, you know, and mm. yeah, you know, Johnny Depp <laughs> doesn't doesn't quite mm. cut the mustard, you know, it, it's not the same. So yeah, I think those big kind of legacy actors, you know, it's probably a generational thing for us as well because you know we grew up and those guys were there long before our time, and some of them are still there now. You know, we think like Clint mm. Eastwood and. To say Jack Nicholson, etc. It's it's interesting. Yeah. I think they just got to that point where they're kind of just revered, you know. We are referencing some of the some of the some of the best that have ever been versus in thirty years' time, who's gonna look back and say Johnny Depp from Pirates of the Caribbean was just amazing? Probably not. I don't know. Maybe yeah. they will. Maybe they will. Who knows? Question question for our question for our listeners then, younger listeners, like well, yeah, younger listeners, perhaps under the age of maybe let's go under the age of thirty, eh? Maybe, maybe even younger. Yeah, all three of them. But yeah, do they <clears throat> do they find the um, do they find the same with the actors that we're talking about, or do they feel the same about the actors that they see on the screens this day uh, for them, their generation? Good question. I would say there's probably less loyalty these days to, I'd say this is probably across both genres, right? Movies and albums. There's less loyalty. You've got 650 million songs or something like that available on Spotify. I've watched 300,000 are down, are, 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 are the, the bulk of them, right? In terms of the hits and the downloads. But with that much content, it's hard to be loyal in music and i think the same with films if you look at things like stranger things right and let's face it the the whole streaming thing's probably taken away a lot of the gloss from the silver screen where and and if you look at the budgets going into so into these um i guess the high end you know from the game of thrones and it started way back in breaking bad and sopranos but the budgets that went in that went into these shows uh would would absolutely you know dwarves the the bloody films right and and you can see it in terms of the production it's it's they're very classy in that and so the actors gravitate towards that and uh, i don't know whether there's i couldn't tell you who's in stranger things i couldn't tell you i've I've, there's one or two actors and the big ones that you you know obviously the um game of thrones casted very well out of it breaking bad but yeah it's a different world right i don't know if loyalty's there comes to you know, we'd follow an act. Even our parents' generation, you know, where you, you look at the um, Audrey Hepburn, well, even before our parents, Audrey Hepburn, some of those classic actors from the 40s and 50s, 
um, and they had just hit movie after hit movie after hit movie, and they had a real following during their time. Don't know if that's the case these days. Yeah, but I do look at those older actors. So if we skip a generation, mm. and I will look at the older actors, like, yeah, Audrey Hepburn, Fred Astaire, mm. Marlon Brando, and I will really love their acting and think they're amazing actors. I just don't get that these days. I really struggle. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's a combination of just too much going on. Maybe there's, I don't know. Yeah, strange, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's a getting older thing as well, though, isn't it? Because, like, you know, I think Hmm. as you get older, maybe you've just got a bit more patience and a bit more time and a bit more worldly experience. And your your viewing experience changes, I think. Yeah. You know, I I can remember in my 30s getting into, like, Jimmy Stewart movies and watching, you know, one of these old, like, and and that that led to me getting into Hitchcock movies and and Mm. stuff like that. So, you know, it does... It's a shame that 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 stuff. We know it's famous. We know it's there, but we don't always yeah. go and go and look for it. And I think that's a shame, you know. I think um, that's sort, of, and, and especially now with the streaming thing, because it's just restricted in terms of what you can view. It's yeah. not like you can go to a video shop now and, and rent one of those movies. You can you can't stream one of those movies. It's it's getting harder and harder to find mm. those movies now. And I think that that's a that's a, a criminal thing, and I think that should change. I agree. You you can easily find um, big trouble in Little China. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. There's always big trouble in Little China. Nice, Glenn. Nice, nice lead on. Yeah, well, because that um, I got trouble. Big trouble in Little China, and what an entertaining romp that was. Um, would it be a hit now? No. Not in that format. Um, the girl with green eyes. Yes, the the wonderful overacting of that fella. I can't remember, remember his name. Just about every almost Asian cliche was thrown at that film, Absolutely. which yeah. was rather entertaining in itself. Yeah, yeah. However, at least it had a bunch of, um, on the whole, Asian actors acting and doing a lot of the work and the stunts and everything mm. like that. Yeah. And that was classy and that was fun. Mm. Um, and I did love the fact that there was a truck driver that was the hero. Oh. <laughs> All American. <laughs> oh, <laughs> tank, tank top wearing, singlet Yeah. Wearing. Just yep. complete. And who just talked shit the entire. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> just so bad. Did he have a mullet? Did he have oh, a mullet? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great, great <laughs> the, writing, the writing is shit. I mean, the script writing is shit, so you can't blame the actors too much. Seriously, they didn't have much to work with. Sorry, but Kurt Russell did so many of John Carpenter's films. Yeah. He was in many, many films of his. So obviously they got along really, really well. And, um, right. and John Carpenter we, is a legendary director. And actually, was the composer of the music as well. Um, Prolific, yeah, yeah. across nearly every one of his movies, he's done the score for it. You know, yeah, absolutely. So, score also the songs as well. Um, um, So that was really entertaining. Um, And yeah, has the film dated? Absolutely, totally. Um, Totally. Um, And now I don't think you'd probably quite get away with the corniness of Egg Chan. Um, as the <clears throat> the hero of the day, 
um, taking on the villains, but it was very, very entertaining in terms of um, just, oh, I don't know, it's corniness at times. Um, the effects are really funny as well, um, and I love the monsters. They were quite, they, you know, the sewer monster in there. Yeah. And that other thing as well. That looks um, like it's from Ninja Turtles. <laughs> yeah. The, the girl with the green eyes. Oh, oh Kim <laughs> Yeah, who doesn't look particularly Asian. This is a bit more of a Eurasian sort of mix. But, um, Did she have a big perm? No. No, no amazingly had, not. No, she didn't okay. say a lot. Oh, and then you had Kim Cattrall um, in the lead female oh, yeah. heroine role. Um, so, yeah, it was entertaining. I mean, quite like the set design where they're in and out of all these little alleys and stuff yes. like that. It's really, really fun. Um, and that whole mystical thing, oh, it's so bizarre. Like that guy, Thunder, and his head. Yeah, yeah, the lightning yeah. coming out of his fucking, yeah. And, oh, yeah, Thunder, he's like, does these moves and he, his head explodes. So, yeah. Uh, and just, there's, that, there's that round monster, that, that circular monster yeah. in there that blows <laughs> up, right? The behold yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. 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 Um, really, really very entertaining. I don't think I saw it. Um, I, oh, no, I wouldn't have seen it at the time. Absolutely not. Um, and I remember seeing it with David at David's house um, on VHS. You know why and I had it? Do you know why I had it? The Kung Fu? Brendan G. We were in the same form class, 3IR, and he was... You know, you know when you go to third form, year nine or whatever it is, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and you you're like, especially me, I was like this scrawny little Asian kid, and Brendan was this big Maori fella, and I, I thought I, yeah, and, and he bullied a few kids, but because I had the surname Chan, and he loved that movie, <laughs> he made a beeline for Jesus. me, and we were best buddies for the whole form, right? And I Barely. felt so safe. He he looked after me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other uh, big kids, seven formers. And that yeah. were picking on the on the turds, he would um he would stick up for me. Oh and wow. uh, and then he got oh. me into big trouble in Little China and he said, Oh, you remind me of Egg Chan. And I thought, Egg 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 Chan? It's actually S H E N Egg Chan. Is it? Yeah, and on the bus it says Egg <laughs> Young Chan or something or other. <laughs> I is, didn't know that 40 it, years it, ago. It it is so strange. <laughs> It is, you know, you'd look at it and now and you'd go, oh, dear, the caricatures. Um, yeah, but, um, yeah. And I, was thought there, you, um, I thought you was got it for the Kung Fu, man. Nah, no. Was it at a time where they were doing a lot of those kind of, um, like, gremlins and um, um, and karate kid, where they had a lot of those kind of alleyway sort of China alleyway kind of vibe, yeah. Oh, yeah. smoky blood sport. Yeah. Jean Claude Van Damme's yeah. blood yes. sport is very much like that. Yeah, yeah. A, lo a lot of the same actors you'll see in there. You know, there's a there's a guy in in Big Trouble in Little China. He's quite distinctive. He always has is Asian actor. He has a, a goatee, and he's in like Die Hard. Is in he's dial a wise old Asian man. Yeah, yes. Yes. <laughs> absolutely, and, and totally. Um, I, I think you're bang on the money there. Um, yeah, yeah, actually, when you think about it, Kurt Russell, well, was it Kurt Russell? Mm. It is, eh? Yeah, 
Yeah. He was his character actually played no real part in saving the day. <laughs> no, he's like the observer, the observer really through most of yeah, the movie. You, yeah, you're observing it, and the little guy does all the work. Right. Yeah. Um, and I don't even know why he's there, um, except to get his truck back. And that's it. And to sell tickets at the box office. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So, Martin, why did you choose this one? What? Why is this one sentimental? Or uh, just a lot of happy memories from it. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't think we saw it when it came out, but it kind of been long after because it was definitely on VHS that we first saw it, and um, I could, you know. I can remember being a little, I probably was probably a little bit too young for it at the time. And I do remember bits of it freaking <laughs> me out. Like but the head exploding stuff and, and stuff like that was like a bit, oh, that's a bit full on to me. <laughs> at, at seven or eight. Or Is that Lou Pan? What's the name of the, the protagonist? No, Lou Pan uh, the, was the fingernail dude. He's uh, the fingernail dude. Yeah. He is quite yeah. scary. For, yeah, he is yeah, pretty, pretty yeah. freaky. And, you know, John Carpenter yeah. is, is famous for doing horror movies. You know, he did. Yeah, you know the thing and stuff like yes. that. It's not, I think this is probably is like one, if, if not the only, like family kind of slightly family orientated movie that he ever did. Really, mm. um, yeah. But it, it, it was always this really striking movie. It's visually, it's it's amazing if you think about it. You know, I always remember the movie poster for it. I think we had yeah. a copy of the movie oh, poster, yeah. which we nicked from the video shop. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, you know, I stuff used to like love that. those things. Yeah. yeah, good old posters. Brilliant. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a lot, every... of, a lot of happy memories of that movie. You know, a fun movie. Mm. Like Gremlins. You know, I could, I could have picked one of a number of movies. Yeah. You know, I almost picked a Commando for you. I was going to give you Commando. And then and then the last minute I thought, no, I'm going to give him a big job. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and you know what? I'm, I think I'm pleased that you chose that, actually, that you chose this one. Um, when we did the 1957 show, we looked at a lot of the names of the movies, and a lot of them were quite pulp. Um, so oh, much yeah. movies being made, and mm. this this has that old school totally. pulp feel. Mm. Absolutely, yep, totally. It's a it's a piece of pulp fiction. Mm. Yeah, yep. From the, the the artwork is phenomenally good. Very pulp, yeah. It's yep. really fun. Um, so yeah, no. Would it be a hit now? Ooh, I would have to be reworked the hell out of it. It would. It would, nev- it would never meet sort of. Any of the oh gosh, it would talking about um, standards. Talking about large Samoans and Pacific Island people liking that movie. Uh, apparently, it's The Rock's favorite movie, and he's the one that's kind of spearheading the the um, the remake at the moment. <laughs> you are kidding me? There's a remake. He's considering it at the moment. Apparently, oh, how the hell would you do that? God knows. How would you do it without offending? Well. Oh, you couldn't make it like it was. Cancel culture. Mm, cancel culture. Well, I don't think you could make it like mm. that. Well, you couldn't put Kevin be. Hart in it, could you? <laughs> There's one plus. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's a weird, um, yeah, weird movie to choose to want to remake as well, you know. Hell yeah. Oh, so yeah, the, totally. Because, you know, Back to the Future, that they've categorically... You know, Robert Zemeckis just said, "No, it's not happening. I've got it. I've Good. got it in writing from the studio. They're not allowed to. Good. They want to. Hell yeah, yeah. they want to. It would print money, but no, no, not allowed to. I don't know. 
No. Oh gosh, no. Mm. Yeah. And I think, yeah, they are. I, I, yeah, so big trouble in Little China. Entertaining, but it's like, what the? Yeah. <laughs> it's going but on, again, yeah. you're, you're watching it with your adult eyes, yeah. and I think if you just Not like the green eyes. No, although she did have very nice green eyes. Um, it's you, you're just watching it through the adult eyes, and I think you know. Isn't it changes. funny though? At that time when you're when you're watching it at that time at that age, how um, how kind of um, what am I trying to say? You know, it's really wrong in lots of ways and racist in lots of ways, but you don't. It doesn't even cross your mind, does it? When you're young. You kind of just watch it and you, you know, all that stuff. You're a bit oblivious to it. I yeah, was. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, you just yeah. take everything at face value, right? Yeah, yeah you're totally. A you're a kid. Yeah. Yes. Around years and, and, yeah, you're a kid. And that's, mm. that's how it is, eh? Yeah. I'm mm. kind of glad, though. I'm, I'm glad those times have changed in a, in a way, in a sense. A bit like the James Bond a little bit. I know I had a laugh saying, oh, you got to have that kind of male chauvinistic sort of thing but it's it is good that it's changed a little bit you know because mm-hmm. it does make for better movies i think yep agreed it's a different world different world different world oh, different, world. different world, different time all right chaps well thank you for um participating uh in my little thought experiment um hope you got something out of it i certainly did um learned a lot about you all learned that ian doesn't know how to choose movies properly <laughs> the title's right the title right <laughs> i think it's just having a big finger i pressed the wrong link i think but it was but that was fun <laughs> that was a lot of fun i think yeah mm. look i think we won all in terms of the tori amos versus whatever you gave me i can't remember now the movie it's blanked. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone already. How money Two hours of gosh. my life, I'll never get back again. But however, um, <laughs> so um, and thanks, listeners, for um, for uh, following us. And um, I'm going to hand the reins over to Martin for our next show. Yeah, I don't know so, whether you want to tell us what you're going to what you got planned or not. Well, I was thinking about uh, doing uh, another topic kind of thing. But um, I've decided, yeah, we're going to go back a little bit in format and we're going to do a year again. Um, yep. I think we need, to, we need to kind of keep going back to, to doing the years every now and again. So I'm going to give us 2005. And there's a very oh. specific reason why I'm going to give us that year. But I'm not telling you until next week. So we've done 2006, haven't we? We have. Hmm. I think there was some good stuff that came out in 2005. I think there was some different stuff. Yeah. From memory. Good. This is going to, this is going to take a bit of work. All right. No, I think it should nice. be all right. Nice. And hopefully we'll have you back on full cylinders, Ian. You've been yeah. pretty good tonight, mate. You've done really well, actually. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think on day three of COVID, I, I would have been up to. Yeah. Same. <laughs> <laughs> I, is there vitamin C in whiskey? Yeah, or, tons of it. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's all there is, mate. <laughs> oh, that's good because I'm on about my eighth glass. Wicked. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh, <laughs> it's been fun, guys. Loving it. Love yous. Thanks, listeners. Love. Lots of love. All right. Well, you guys have a good evening, and um, see you next week. Take care. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Ciao.